0: Hello and welcome to a completely new series of the Zero to Finals podcast and in this series I'm going to be going through surgery. So we're going to cover all of the different topics in surgery covering all the different surgical specialties and the first topic that we're going to cover today is the basics of surgery and as always if you want to find written notes on this topic you can find them at zerotofinals.com and if you go to slash surgery slash basics Or you can find written notes in the Zero to Finals Surgery book, which is available on Amazon. So let's get straight into it. There are a number of basic definitions and concepts that are worth being familiar with and learning before you start reading about the surgical topics or before you start a surgical rotation. And in this section, we're going to go through some of those basic definitions and concepts. Let's start by talking about prefixes. Prefixes generally refer to an area of the body. Laparo refers to the abdomen, for example laparotomy, which is open surgery of the abdomen. Thoraco refers to the chest, for example thoracotomy, which is open surgery of the chest. Colo refers to the colon, for example colectomy, which is removal of the colon. Cysto refers to the bladder for example, cystoscopy, which is putting an endoscopic camera into the bladder. Gastro refers to the stomach, for example, gastroscopy, which is putting an endoscopic camera into the stomach. Mamo refers to the breast, for example, mammogram, which is imaging of the breast. Masto also refers to the breast, for example, mastectomy, which is removal of a breast. Myo refers to muscle, for example myotomy, which is where the muscle tissue is cut open. Nephro refers to the kidneys, for example nephrectomy, which is removal of a kidney. Pneumo refers to the lungs, for example pneumonectomy, which is removal of a lung. Orchid refers to the testes, for example orchidectomy, which is removal of a testicle. Rhino refers to the nose. Think of a rhinoceros, for example, rhinoplasty, which is changing the shape of the nose. And lobo refers to a lobe of an organ, for example, lobectomy, which is removal of a lobe of the lung. We also need to be familiar with suffixes. And suffixes generally refer to what is happening with the particular area of the body. So, for example, Otomy refers to surgically cutting open, for example laparotomy which is open surgery of the abdomen. In this situation laparo refers to the abdomen and otomy refers to cutting it open. Oscopy refers to viewing with a scope and keyhole surgery, for example colonoscopy, laparoscopy and thoracoscopy. Ectomy refers to removal, for example, tonsillectomy, where there's removal of the tonsils. Plasty refers to changing the shape of something. For example, rhinoplasty is changing the shape of the nose. Pexy refers to fixing something in place. So, orchidopexy is surgery to fix a testicle in the right position. Sentesis refers to puncturing with a needle. For example, thoracocentesis is removing air or fluid from the pleural space. Ostomy refers to creating a new opening. For example, colostomy is opening the colon onto the surface of the abdomen. Itis refers to inflammation. For example, prostatitis, which is inflammation of the prostate. Algia refers to pain. For example, nostalgia is breast pain. And gram refers to recording or imaging something, for example electrocardiogram or echocardiogram. A couple more definitions to be aware of are adhesions, which is scar-like tissue inside the body that binds surfaces together, fistula, which is an abnormal connection between two epithelial surfaces, and tenesmus which is a sensation of needing to open the bowels without being able to produce stools, which is often accompanied by pain. A tip for you at this point, I've randomly been asked to define certain terms by surgeons whilst on ward rounds and in clinics. Having the key definitions on the tip of your tongue ready to go can make you look clever. In particular, I recommend learning the definition of a fistula, which is an abnormal connection between two epithelial surfaces as I've been asked this on a number of occasions. Let's talk about a few specific operations. There's some operations with unique names that is worth becoming familiar with. And these are hemicolectomy, which is removal of a portion of the large intestine or the colon. Hartman's procedure, which is also called a proctosigmoidectomy, which is removal of the rectosigmoid colon with closure of the anorectal stump and formation of a colostomy. Anterior resection is removal of the rectum. And a Whipple procedure, which is also called a pancreatico-duodenectomy, is removal of the head of the pancreas, the duodenum, the gallbladder and the bile duct. Let's talk about some incisions and scars. And these are the type of things that might come up in your OSCE examination so it's worth being aware of which incisions are related to which procedures. Firstly let's talk about upper abdominal surgery. A cocher incision which is at the top right of the abdomen is used for an open cholecystectomy which is removal of the gallbladder. A chevron or rooftop incision which looks like the shape of a rooftop across the top of the abdomen is typically used for a liver transplant, a Whipple procedure, pancreatic surgery or upper gastrointestinal surgery. And a Mercedes-Benz incision, which looks like the Mercedes-Benz logo at the top of the abdomen, is typically used for a liver transplant. Next let's talk about incisions that might be used for general abdominal organ surgery. A midline incision, which goes down the middle of the abdomen, is used as a general laparotomy incision because it allows good access to the abdominal organs in general. A paramedian incision, which is down the middle of the abdomen but slightly to the left or to the right, is used as a general purpose laparotomy as well. However, a midline incision is usually used in preference to a paramedian incision. And a hockey stick incision, which is down the left or the right side of the abdomen and looks like a hockey stick pointing downwards into the groin area, is used for a renal transplant. Next, let's talk about the type of incisions that are used for appendix surgery. There are several different types of incisions that can be used to perform an open appendicectomy or open surgery to remove the appendix. A battle incision which is also a type of paramedian incision, goes vertically down the abdomen near the site of the appendix. An alternative is a gridiron or a McBurney incision, which is oblique near the site of the appendix. And finally, a Lans incision is a type of transverse incision that goes across the abdomen at the site of the appendix. There's also something called a Rutherford-Morrison incision which is an extended version of the gridiron incision which is the oblique version. And this can be used to perform an open appendicectomy or a colectomy. There are two types of incisions to be aware of that are used to perform a caesarean section. A fan and steel incision is a curved incision two fingers width above the pubic symphysis. A Joel-Cohen incision is a straight incision that's slightly higher than a fan and steel incision and this is the recommended incision generally. Laparoscopic surgery or keyhole surgery on the abdomen involves several 5-10mm to 10 millimeter incisions that allow the cameras and the instruments to be inserted into the abdomen via port sites. A site just above or below the umbilicus or the belly button is usually used also as a port site. Let's talk a bit about diathermy. Diathermy uses high frequency electrical current to cut through the tissues or to cauterize and stop the bleeding from small blood vessels. It causes targeted, localized burning of the tissues and it's useful for making targeted incisions with minimal bleeding. There are two types to be aware of, monopolar diathermy and bipolar diathermy. Monopolar diathermy can be used in either small or large operations. A diathermy probe is used by the surgeon and produces an electrical signal. A grounding plate or a grounding pad is placed under the leg or the buttock of the patient. And a circuit is formed in the patient's body where the electricity goes in through the diathermy instrument that's being held by the surgeon, through the body and out through the grounding plate. At the site where the electrical energy is applied, using the diathermy instrument, it causes localised burning and tissue damage. As the electrical signal spreads through the body to the grounding plate, it becomes less intense and so it doesn't cause damage to other tissues so the damage only occurs at the point that the diathermy instrument is being applied. Bipolar diathermy involves an instrument which has two electrodes on it and a current passes between the two electrodes affecting only the tissues in this area. This is often used in microsurgery, for example operations on the hand. It's also helpful to prevent the electrical signals from passing through the rest of the body, for example in patients who have a pacemaker. Next let's talk about sutures. There are all sorts of different types of sutures available, which suit different purposes and are used on different tissue types. The two main categories of suture are absorbable and non-absorbable. Absorbable sutures are slowly absorbed and disappear over time. Some examples are vicryl and monocryl. They're used for tissues that will heal well and remain sealed after the suture has been absorbed such as within the abdominal cavity and closing the tissues beneath the epidermis or the skin. Non-absorbable sutures remain in place a long time and provide support for the tissues. Some examples include silk, nylon and polypropylene Examples of how they might be used include closing the skin by interrupted or a mattress sutures technique which we'll talk about shortly and then removal later once the skin is healed. They're used to fix drains in place and then remove later when the drain is removed and they're used to suture together connective tissues that heal slowly such as when repairing tendons. Let's talk about closing the skin. Firstly, before the skin is closed, the subcutaneous tissues need to be closed and this is done using absorbable sutures. And the reason to close the subcutaneous tissues is to prevent dead space from being formed which could fill with air, blood or fluid and create problems. After the subcutaneous tissues are closed, the surface layer of skin or the epidermis can be closed and there's various techniques that can be used to do this. Staples are a rapid way of closing the skin, but the staples need to be removed later on. Interrupted sutures involve a series of individual knots. Mattress sutures are a bit more complex. This involves a series of individual sutures and each one of the sutures goes under from one side of the wound to the other, then over the top of the skin and under again and back out of the original side where the knot is tied. Continuous sutures involve a single suture that goes in and out along the wound in a spiral shape and subcuticular sutures involve a single absorbable suture that goes side to side just below the skin to pull the edges of the skin together. Next let's talk about drains. Drains are tubes that are left inside body cavities to allow air or fluid to drain away usually into a bottle beside the bed. This prevents air, blood, pus or other fluid from collecting within an enclosed space. They're often secured and left in place after an operation. They are removed when they stop draining or when there's very little draining from the drain and it's assumed whatever has been draining will no longer build up once the drain is removed. Chest drains provide a method of removing air and fluid from the pleural space. The external end of the drain is placed underwater which creates a seal to prevent air from flowing back into the drain and into the chest. Air can escape the chest cavity and bubble through the water but the water prevents air from re-entering the drain and the chest. During normal respiration the water in the drain will rise and fall due to changes in pressure in the chest and this is described as swinging next let's talk about the WHO surgical safety checklist. The WHO surgical safety checklist which was published in 2009 is carried out for each operation and the aim is to reduce the risk of human error. The checklist is completed at three main stages before the induction of anesthesia, before the first skin incision and before the patient leaves theatre. The surgical safety checklist involves multiple members of the team, for example the theatre nurse, the anaesthetist and the surgeon, all checking essential factors such as the patient's identity, any allergies, the operation to be performed, the risk of bleeding, introductions of all the different team members in the room, anticipated critical events and at the end of surgery counting the number of sponges and needles to ensure nothing is left inside the patient. Thanks for listening to this first episode in the surgical series of podcasts on general surgery basics. As always this episode was perfectly edited by Harry Watchman so thank you again to him and I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll be talking about pre-operative care.